Our text for today is Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. You can find it on page 1221 of your Bible. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. It's on page 1221 of the blue Bible that's in front of you in the pew. Jesus crossed the lake again. And on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please, come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately. And she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said, Don't you see the crowd pressing in against you? Yet you say, Who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house saying to Jairus, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the synagogue leader's house, and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing. And he went in and said to them, What's all this commotion? And crying about. The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. They laughed at him, but he threw them all out. Then, taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha, kum, which means, young woman, get up. Suddenly, the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. 
they were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. And he told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. These two stories about the woman who had been bleeding and reached out for a piece of saving grace and this child who had died, these two stories are incredible. They are incredible. So hard to believe. How did it happen? Did it happen like that? What are we to make of stories like this? And we could talk about that. That would be worth talking about. But I want to see if we can talk about something a little different today. If for the next 10 to 12 minutes we can set aside that question of, did this happen? How did it happen? And instead ask, what does it mean if it happened? What does it mean for us? See, I think Jesus saw beyond physical illness. Physical healing is important, but I think both of these stories are about more than that. When you're sick, physical healing matters so much. But if you have ever been seriously ill, you know that that's just the tip of the iceberg. When we are seriously ill, we need emotional strength and spiritual strength as much as anything else. And all of us carry spiritual and emotional wounds. There are spiritual and emotional wounds that drain us like that hemorrhage. There are spiritual and emotional wounds that leave us feeling dead inside. We are in needs, need of all kinds of healing. And we can bring all of that to this story. I want to give you an example from my own family. My cousin April is a few years younger than me, and she has lupus. She will not get well. Sometimes she is in remission, but her body is not going to get well. And yet, April sees herself in this story. She sees this woman who went to doctor upon doctor upon doctor and got no better and spent everything she had and ended up worse. And April knows about going to doctor after doctor who dismissed her and ignored her and misdiagnosed her and left her just the same as she was before. And she sees the parts of herself that in this long illness have gotten worn out almost to the point of death. And she can feel her own struggle, her spiritual struggle within this illness to reach out for whatever piece of saving grace she can manage to find. And most importantly, she sees how Jesus turns and sees that woman, sees her, in a way that no one else had seen that woman. And in that, April feels Christ's gaze on her. And it changes her. It sustains her. 
it heals some deep part of her. That's how we can engage with this story. We all have murky, swampy, stinky parts of our lives. We are ill in so many ways. We have abuse or trauma or assault in our background, both men and women alike. We are mentally ill and afraid to talk about it because of the stigma that goes with it. We have addictions that are cunning and baffling and powerful that we cannot figure out how to make our way out of. We have a million things we hide. We are recovering pessimists or recovering perfectionists. There are a million ways we seek healing in our lives. A million ways where we may not have the courage to reach out. Jesus sees that illness within us. He isn't put off by those stuck or stinky parts of our lives. Jesus wades in with us. He sees our grasp for healing and praises it. He comes in the room with us and says, Child, get up. And some part of us rises. He believes in us when we don't believe in ourselves. There's something unusual about these two stories of healing. They aren't quite like other stories. They aren't like stories of healing with the blind receiving their sight. They aren't like stories of withered hands being repaired or paralyzed legs getting up. These stories are different. In this story of this little girl who was dead and this woman who had been hemorrhaging, Jesus crosses significant social and cultural boundaries. Women who were menstruating were considered ritually impure. And they were isolated from the community. No one was allowed to touch them, and they were often physically isolated as well. So this woman, for 12 years, has been isolated from her community. Can you imagine her loneliness? And corpses were considered ritually impure, particularly for a religious teacher. Jesus had no business in that room with that little girl. But Jesus wades in. Like he doesn't even see those lines on the floor saying, Go this far, but no further. He acts like those lines, those boundaries do not exist. He is too concerned with healing to respect those cultural and social boundaries. He does that. He goes beyond our boundaries, too whether we're comfortable with it or not. When we're scared that our sickness, our own or our society's, is too much, Jesus walks forward across that. We're talking this fall about giving beyond. Beyond our fears, beyond our expectations, 
and beyond our boundaries. Jesus goes beyond our safe, acceptable boundaries. We may not isolate women who are menstruating, and we may not have the same prohibitions around corpses, but we certainly have our own sets of boundaries. We have people who are essentially untouchable in our society. The folks in our community who don't have housing, who created makeshift communities in our parks, they are untouchable in a way. People are scared to bring their children to those parks. We can't even figure out how to get near these neighbors because of our fear, because of our boundaries of what is right and proper. And folks who don't have proper documentation, we are ambivalent about that, almost all of us. We wonder, do they really belong here? How much right do they have to what we have? And we are unsure about detention. Is it right at times, or is it arbitrary and a tactic of intimidation? We are concerned and conflicted, and the issue becomes untouchable. And we treat folks who are convicts in the same way. We have a church that we support that's in the Women's Correctional Center in Purdy. And the hardest part for that church is not being church together in the prison. It's when women are released and they don't have a home to go to. Because we don't employ folks who have a record. We don't even allow them to vote. They are untouchable in our society. We may not isolate women who are menstruating or shy away from corpses, but we do have our social boundaries. There are churches in this city who continue to discriminate and treat as untouchable folks who are gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender and queer. There are people in our congregation who were told at their previous congregation that they were in need of an exorcism. Can you imagine? And there are so many more who were told, you are welcome if you will only hide this part of your life. We have social boundaries that draw lines just as powerfully as there were in Jesus' day. Jesus pushes all of those boundaries. The ones we create around our personal life where we hide and the ones that we create in our social lives together. He wades in and acts like those lines are not on the floor. And that is what healing is about. Crossing that boundary with that woman who reached out. Crossing that boundary with that girl who was dead. That is what healing is about. Here's the good news. I see that kind of healing here. That's why I keep coming back. I see that kind of boundary-breaking healing here. I see folks who go to the city council and advocate for the most vulnerable members of our society. I see many of you who hustle 
for Aid Northwest and Tacoma Community House for those who are immigrants and those who have been convicted. I see you willing to talk about these issues and wrestle with them and speak to your friends and advocate in your own way. I see you willing to share all sorts of things at prayer time. Our prayer time is so honest and authentic. We name mental illness. We name anxiety. We name addiction. We even name fears around suicide. There is nothing off limits. That is boundary-breaking love. Hands and feet of Christ among us. Sometimes we're like the woman who creeps up and tugs on the robe. Sometimes we're like that girl who is mostly dead. And sometimes, sometimes we get to be in Christ's feet and extend that boundary-breaking love to one another. That's the true healing. That's what I see here. That is what I am so grateful for. Amen. Amen.